Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. It's been eight weeks that we have been in this series called Starting Point. And Starting Point is, uh, let me just remind you, for those of you that haven't heard this before, or maybe just need a reminder, Starting Point is the curriculum that we are using, and we will, once a quarter, it looks like about once a quarter, we're going to offer this as table groups. And this is a place where, if you're new to Restore, if you're new to the faith, it's a perfect place to start Starting Point great place to start. And so it goes through the basic, this curriculum goes through the basics of the faith. And so up to this point, we have talked about faith having a starting point. Like all of us have a starting point somewhere. We were all born. We had a starting point. We all started working sometime. We went to school at some point. We all had a starting point. Faith has a starting point as well. We talked about the problem of sin. We considered whether we were just mistakers or if we were actually sinners. We landed on sinners, by the way. Mistakers is kind of a more comfortable thing to say. But really, the bottom line is we all sin and fall short. We talked about how do we trust? How do we build trust? We talked about rules and rule keeping. And if you were raised in a church or maybe no church at all, you know about rules. There are societal rules, there are cultural rules, and then there are some man-made rules that sometimes we feel compelled to keep those rules, even though there's no biblical foundation for them. We talked about the beauty of grace, the beauty of grace that we can extend to each other because God in Jesus has extended grace to us. And last weekend, Jordan talked to us about faith. And then today, I want to talk to us about an invitation, invitation to purpose, invitation to purpose. I mean, the odds are that you want your life to matter. You want your life to matter. You don't want to waste your life. The way you live your life may say something different. The way you're currently living might point to, yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want to right now. I'm going to do whatever the flesh wants, whatever my humanity wants, that's what I'm going to do. So maybe right now, the fact that you desire to have purpose in your life isn't so visible. But if you peel back the layers, and if you figure out, okay, what's at the root of my situation right now? you might come to the conclusion that you do want purpose in your life. I mean, we all, like you and I, we all look for meaning, don't we? We all look for meaning because we have this notion that life is supposed to have meaning. And many of us probably sense that that this thirst that we have, it just won't be quenched unless we connect with something greater than ourselves. In our culture and in our day, how many times have you heard something like, especially on social media sometimes, you hear people say or watch people write things that would indicate that, well, you know, if you're not the praying sort, maybe you can appeal to the universe. 
Or if you're not the praying sort, maybe you can um, uh, talk to nature. What many of us don't know is this is just another form of idolatry. This is just another, it's, it's pantheism. God in everything, actually, God in us. We are the bearers of his spirit. My, my son-in-law and our daughter, uh, my daughter never even watched anything related to Star Wars or any of those movies, but she gets married to this guy, and all of a sudden, um, he rubs off on her, and they watch Star Wars, and now their little daughter, Ophelia, my granddaughter, um, pointing to this thing of the universe and nature, if you talk to her and you say, hey, Ophelia, show me the force, she'll do this. <laughs> <laughs> They're training her up, right? The force, the universe, nature. Friends, let's make sure that when we speak about Jesus, when we speak about God, it's important that we're clear about what we're speaking about. Let's not capitulate to supposing that we can refer to the universe, that we can refer to nature or the force. The force is within us. His name is Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis hinted at this idea of, of something greater than us when he said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I was made for another world. See, we crave truth, we crave beauty, we crave love and justice, purpose and ultimate meaning. And you guys, if you're honest, if you're really honest with yourself, it doesn't matter how you're living your life right now, if you're really honest with yourself, you can't accept the reality of this random shuffle to the grave. Nothing matters. I'm just here biding my time. This isn't, this isn't life like God intended for us to have if we're simply making our way to a dead end. Life is way more than just shuffling our way to the grave. In our first sessions of starting point uh, last fall, we sat around tables. There was about 50 of us in the lounge that sat around tables, and we uh, absorbed this teaching, and we uh, got to know each other around tables. And one of the questions was, what did you dream of becoming when you were a child? What did you dream of becoming? We got some of the crazy, I didn't hear all the other tables, but our table, you should ask this question of somebody sometime. Listen to this. Like, I dreamed of becoming an artist. Well, I didn't turn out quite the way that I dreamed of turning out. My artistry came out in other ways other than the ways I had perceived that they might. I was the calm one in the group. Like, we had a sniper. <laughs> Seal trainer. 
I don't know what's up with all this violence. Like somebody wanted to be a U.S. Marshal, a lawyer, a meteorologist, a dancer, a lion tamer, <laughs> and the best one, Oprah. She wanted to be Oprah. It's awesome. Like these dreams that we have. And you know what? It was good for us to express what we had hoped to become and kind of measure, okay, what happened along the way? If we didn't achieve the things that we set out to achieve, then why not? What were those things that you, those of you online, that you might have thought, that's what I'm going to be someday, but what has kept you from it? What has kept you from it? You have an opportunity. You have an invitation to step into your purpose again this morning. And maybe you just need to reevaluate where you're at and say, I still want to be Oprah. So how do I take steps? I still want to be a dancer, maybe a sniper. (laughs) How do I take steps to get there? See, when we're young, we dream of changing the world. But as we get older, it seems the world changes us. And you know what happened? Let me say that again. When we're young, we dream of changing the world. But as we get older, it seems the world changes us. When reality hits, we lower our standards, don't we? When things come against us, we say, oh, let's just back up. And sometimes we have to. Sometimes reality is our Reality is our best guide because sometimes we're not thinking logically. We're not thinking in ways that that make any sense whatsoever. And so reality hits and we have to readjust. But sometimes reality hits and we need to push back. And we need to say, yes, that's the situation right now. But God has called me to more and I'm going to do more because he is within me. He has given me the power to step into places that I had no idea I could step into. I will tell you that that's been my experience in life. I I have gotten to do things I never could have imagined doing. Now, I imagined leading a local church. I did imagine that. Because I believed God had placed that within me to do this thing that we call restore. Don't worry, I'm spitting all over the place up here. This is just for me this morning, it's not for you. So if you're worried about that, just know you're not gonna get this. (laughs) Sometimes when reality hits and we wanna pull back, and we do pull back, we become cynical and we become critical. Nothing is right, especially if you're a certain Enneagram number. You have a tendency and a propensity to go to cynicism and criticalness much faster than some of the rest of us. So beware. Watch your responses. What is the Holy Spirit doing in you? See, around here, we talk a lot about Yeah, we gather here on Sunday mornings. But tomorrow and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be in the workplace somewhere, many of us. How we represent Jesus in those places is far more important than how pretty you look this morning 
or how cleaned up you look this morning or how good you smell this morning or how expressive you are as we worship this morning. All of that is, there's nothing bad about that. What's really detrimental to our spiritual growth is if we do nothing with what our experience informs us of this morning when we get to Monday. So let me just say again, the significance of your presence here in the space this morning, the significance of your presence online this morning, absorbing what has been happening in this space is really, really important. But when the shoe leather hits the road, that's when it all comes together. All of us desire, we all, like I desire a, a long life. I want a long life of purpose and meaning. But when life doesn't meet our expectations, when the walls, when we hit a wall, we have this propensity to move towards cynicism and frustration, and all of us have met old, grumpy men, right? And bitter women. Are you an old, grumpy man or a bitter woman? We've all met those people. And we all have the potential for becoming one of them. If we don't renew our minds, if we don't think correctly, if we don't begin now. Because most of you aren't old. Most of you are young. Most of you have the ability to change course. And so if you're headed down the wrong road this morning, this is an invitation to purpose. This is an invitation to becoming all that God has called you to be. And he's not called you to be a grumpy old man. And he's not called you to be a bitter woman. So what causes us to become the people we don't want to be? What causes us to become the people that God has not called us to be? I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, I wonder what my life would be like if I would have just, and you fill in the blank. I wonder what my life would be like if I would have just, and you fill in the blank. Have you made a wrong turn somewhere? Have you turned left when you should have turned right? Did you go straight when you should have turned one way or the other? The cartoon character Bugs Bunny, he made this line famous. He said, I knew I should have made that left toy at Albuquerque. Do you remember that line? Probably not, you're too young. But some of us remember those cartoons. I knew I should have made a left toy at Albuquerque. This is when he's been digging through. And in multiple times, in multiple cartoons, he is digging down underground, trying to get to where he wants to go, and he lands up at the wrong place. And he gets up and he says, ah, I'm in the wrong spot. I made a wrong turn somewhere. What if God has a plan for you this morning that isn't contingent on who you've been or what you've done? What if God's plan for you is not, doesn't have anything to do about where you've been or what you've done? What if you could restart your faith. What if restarting your faith could restart your life? 
Jesus said part of the reason he came was so we could have life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says these words. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. This, he, he does this compare and contrast. The thief, not Jesus, the thief comes to kill, kill steal, and destroy. And he says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose, he says, is to give you a, give you real life, to give you an abundant life. 20 years later, Paul told his protege, Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. It's like he's saying, hey, Tim. Hey, Timothy. Live, live with an abundance mindset. Live generously and take hold of real life. Really live. Don't live like a stingy miser, but live with wide, arms wide open. Live generously. As I was preparing for this, I had to think about a moment in my life when I lived uh, with a bit more of a scarcity mindset. And sometimes it doesn't come with, you know, Paul is addressing the idea of money here and how we think about money, how much trust we put in money. But it, in my circumstances, for example, it was people. I had people around me. And in my, uh, at my previous church, I had a worship leader who was leading worship every weekend. He was the creative arts director of our campus. And I get a phone call one day, and it was from uh, one of the other pastors suggesting that I should give up Don so that Don could go to a different campus and lead worship there. No, no. That was my immediate response. No, I don't, I don't think so. Because what am I gonna do? What are we gonna do? You're taking him. Do you have a plan to replace him? Turns out there was a plan. But Don and I were in sync. We had a thing going. And I didn't want to give him up. And so I immediately was like, I had this real tug of war within myself. Am I going to live with a scarcity mindset and go, I don't know that God's, uh, I don't know if God's going to like replace him. What's going to happen? No, I can't do that. I'm going to have to pull him in and just say no. But gradually... And this all happened in seconds, but it seemed like gradually, because I, I turned and responded positively. At least I said positive words. I didn't really feel it yet, but I said positive words. And as I was, as I was preparing this weekend, for this weekend, I thought about that circumstance and how, how helpful it was to me. Because guess what I saw? I could saw the departure of a fantastic worship leader. And then I saw new people rise up. I saw people come in to lead in ways they hadn't led before. 
And all of a sudden, I saw the abundance of God and how every situation where we think there's going to be scarcity, if we lean in and if we are faithful, if we believe that God can do all that he says he will do for us, then our lives, our minds can be transformed from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset because God wants all good. Did you know this? God wants all good things for us. And sometimes when wars and rumors of wars are happening, the opportunity for us to say, God, where are you? Because I'm not feeling you. And then I'm reminded that God doesn't necessarily want us to, I mean, like we don't always feel. If we base our lives on our feelings, then we're going to live our lives in scarcity. We're not going to live our lives in abundance. Who do you say God is? And who does God say you are? Who do you say God is? And who does God say you are? In Matthew 16, Jesus posed this question to Peter. Then he asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered. Actually, let me back up. Jesus posed this question to his disciples and Simon Peter responded. When Jesus poses a question to you, to the people around you, are you the first or the last to respond? Are you the first to say, here am I? Or are you the last to say, I think I'm here? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus spoke life into Peter. He said, not only do I agree, but God agrees. Not only do I agree with you, but God agrees with you. Jesus goes on in, uh, in verse 18 there, and he says, here's my vision for the future. Peter, here's my vision for the future. I'm gonna build an ecclesia. In that ancient culture, ecclesia did not necessarily mean a gathered church like this, but it meant a gathered people it could have been a military gathering. It could have been a social gathering. It could have been a, a, uh, a, uh, 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 a working gathering. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm gonna build a new, a, new, a new assembly, a new gathering of people that are believing that he is who Peter declared him to be, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, if you, uh, if you think, well, I just can't, like me and my friends, we can't accomplish much, you might not accomplish what these 12 did. But really, at that moment, people could have looked at that statement and said, you're going to build an ecclesia with 12 plus you? But 2,000 years later, here are you and I. Here are you and I having a conversation believing that we are in the presence of Almighty God. 
because of these 12 plus Jesus. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of others since that day. Let me just make a note that Jesus' reference to hell was a reference to death. His point uh, was probably obvious to that original audience. What he was saying was not even death, not even my death will stop the ecclesia that I'm building. It's astounding that today in the 21st century, we can look back and we can see that in the very city where he was tried and crucified, where Jesus was tried uh, and crucified, that's where the church was born. They had no buildings, they had no creeds, they had no Bible as we have it today. Just a gathering of people with one thing in common. They believed that Jesus was the son of God. There is no end to what we can accomplish when we are gathered together under one belief, under the power of the Holy Spirit, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, who do you say God is? Who do you say God is? Who does God say you are? I wonder if you've made decisions in your life that reflect an attitude that says, hey, I'm just giving up. I'm frustrated. I can't do this. I'm just giving up. I wonder how connected you are to this faith community or a faith community. Are you inviting people to speak into your life to help you grow and become who God created you to be? See, Jesus didn't predict a religion. He didn't predict an institution, but he predicted a people that would gather under the banner, under his banner, he predicted an assembly of imperfect people with faith in a resurrected Savior that would move them to embrace a lifestyle of grace, a lifestyle of forgiveness, and a lifestyle of kindness. Maybe these aren't terms you would use to describe the local church. I was in a meeting this week where, I mean, it was 30 people, and one of those 30 stood up and said, I don't have a good relationship with my, my remembrance of the local church is not a good thing. I haven't been in church. But in that moment, and in the moments that followed, I saw a person that is growing in her spiritual life. She may not be connected directly to the local church, except that she is. Because in that room, were 20 pastors. There were many, all of us in the room, except maybe for her, had an experience that we would say is the lifeblood of our existence. We follow Jesus. So to say that I'm not involved in a local church is a bit of a stretch for her because the church was all around her. The church was all around her. And I was able to say to her, I see Jesus in you, whether you are in a local church or not. I see Jesus in you. I see the growth. I see you speaking words of kindness, of love, of grace. And I see your heart. See, sometimes you just need to identify what is already in somebody, call it out of them, in order for them to grow into the person that God's called them to be. I don't know what the, her story has no end at this point. Like, we don't know. But I think she's gonna be here someday. Maybe she's here this morning. If you are, welcome. 
Here's the good news. In every generation, there are believers, followers of the way of Jesus, that don't view church as a place, but as a movement, a movement that is counterculture. We push back the darkness. We are counter to the culture. A movement that is characterized by love for one another and for the world, and we count ourselves in that number. That's significant and important that we think about ourselves in that way, and then our actions will follow. My hope for you and us is that as we've uh, spent these last eight weeks together, that as you start or as you restart your faith, I hope that you will find your place in the local church, that you will be an active participant doing for others the good that's been done for you. This means that we step into not consumers, but contributors. Not consumers, but contributors. That's one of the first steps we take as we step into the local church is to say, here am I. How can I help? How can I help? I've been helped. How can I help others? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. Thank you.